And I know that you and I owe him some amazing praise for all the things he's done, is doing, and shall do in our lives. Now, let me give us a couple of reminders before we receive God's word on today. Uh, and one is in terms of our high school and college graduates and postgraduate studies and all of that. Those who've graduated, of course, in this pandemic, they haven't had a chance to have the traditional ceremonies that they would have, but we're going to have our own ceremony uh, at Eastern Star Church for our graduates on this coming Saturday, June 27th at 2 p.m. It's virtual, but like any ceremony, it's going to be some inspiring messages and encouragement and some highlights and accomplishments of our graduates. And so we certainly want you uh, to make sure you're tuning in to that. And that is June 27th, this Saturday, 2 p.m. And let's celebrate what God is doing in the life of our graduates. And we're also excited uh, that the Rock Fresh Market has reopened and be, uh, has been revamped. And some amazing things are happening in there. We've added to the inventory. It is a wonderful look, uh, but it also has some wonderful, healthy, affordable food options. We're able to do this because of your generosity. Our costs are lower than everybody's because of the generosity of the people of God to make that happen. And so Mondays through Friday uh, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And so we want you to support the Rock Fresh Market as well as this community. This All the grocery stores left Arlington Woods. And so uh, in this area in 46218, and so the Rock Fresh Market is where people go to get those uh, affordable, healthy food options. So thank you very, very much for that. It's 5620 East 30th Street in Indianapolis, 5620 East 30th Street in Indianapolis, right next to, to our, our main location. Well, it's time for the Word of God. And I want you to open your hearts and your minds and your souls to be receptive from, uh, from the word of God that's going to be presented to us. Of course, it's going to come from my oldest son, Jeffrey Allen Johnson II. And he is the associate pastor of preaching and teaching here at the Eastern Star Church. And I pray that you'll receive God's word on today. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. I'm so excited to share God's word with you on today. And there is a word from the Lord found in Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. And I'm beginning reading at verse 15. I'm going to read the rest of the chapter, but in your own private time with God, I would suggest that you will read the entire chapter of Daniel chapter 1, which will make up the context uh, that we will be analyzing today. Daniel chapter 1, verse 15. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. God, you are our strength. God, you are our redeemer. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Daniel chapter 1, verse 15 from the New Living Translation puts it this way. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, they attended fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. 
Whenever the king consulted them in any manner requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in the royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. Amen. Uh, real briefly, I just want to talk about creating opportunities in oppression. Creating opportunities in oppression. This past weekend was the blackest weekend of all time. Uh, African Americans all throughout this country celebrated Juneteenth. And contrary to COVID-45's opinion that he made Juneteenth famous, black people have been celebrating Juneteenth since 1865. As we celebrate and reflect, when those over 200,000 slaves in Texas finally got word that they had been free from slavery, uh, after two years of not getting word that Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and despite of their delayed freedom, they had a lot to celebrate about. Because ever since 1619, uh, they have been stripped from their heritage, from their land. Uh, they have been stripped from their families, their name, their culture. They have been separated from their loved ones. They have been forced into uh, slavery. And for 200 and over 200 years, they were forced into slavery until Juneteenth came about where we celebrate uh, the freedom that they were emancipated out of slavery. And even though we celebrate the freedom of, of them being emancipated from slavery, uh, a new system emerged that was fueled by racism and white supremacy, where th although they were free from the physical chains of slavery, they were still in bondage to the oppressive system that they were experiencing here in America. And even till this day, over 400 years, 401 years to be exact, uh, black people in this nation are still experiencing this oppressive system that has continued to be fueled by uh, racism and white supremacy, where America still has her knee on our neck and we can't breathe in the midst of this oppressive system. But Glory be to God that God has given us the strength that we need to continue to create opportunities in the midst of oppression. In fact, the reason why many of us are here today is because those that came before us took advantage of the opportunities even in the midst of oppression. Preachers like Nat Turner who took the opportunity to rebel even on the plantation that inspired other slave revolts in the name of Jesus. People like Harriet Tubman who created an underground opportunity to not just free herself but even her family and her friends. Even the black church in reconstruction took on the opportunity in oppression as they began to buy up newspaper companies and restaurants and barbershops because they understood that it's not the spirit just doesn't help us shout on Sunday in the church, but it helps us to uh, empower our community even throughout the week. And we kept uh, creating these opportunities even in the midst of oppression like Booker T. Washington who created his own college even in the midst of oppression and Madam C.J. Walker who created her own opportunity even in the midst of oppression and a hundred years ago Eastern Star Church created its own opportunity 
even in the midst of oppression. We come from a bloodline. We come from ancestors who understood that God has given us what we need to create opportunity even in the midst of oppression. And we see that even, even today as we are experiencing a health pandemic, a racial pandemic, an economic pandemic. But despite of all the pandemics that we are experiencing, people are still ex uh, creating opportunities in oppression as they are out protesting, as they are out helping make legislation change, as they are filling out their census forms and registering to vote and casting their vote because we understand the power of creating opportunity even in the midst of oppression. And we see that played out here in Daniel chapter 1. The children of Israel found themselves in oppression. They are in exile. They are enslaved to the power of King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And to make matters even more interesting, verse 2 says that it was God that gave the victory to the enemy. I know from the looks of things, it looks like King Nebuchadnezzar was just stronger, more strategic. He looked like he had more of a powerful military. But verse 2 lets us know that it was God that gave the victory to the enemy. And I, and I had to ask God a question. God, why would you give the victory to the enemy? Why would you allow your people to be enslaved and oppressed? Why would you allow this to go down even in your own holy land? Well, I thought that you were on the side of the oppressed. And God had to remind me of Isaiah and Jeremiah. And he let me know that God is on the side of the oppressed. That's why he had to shut down Judah and Jerusalem the way that he did. Because Isaiah and Jeremiah helps us to understand the reason why God's judgment was shown to Judah and Jerusalem. Because they disregarded the poor. They had... They, they allowed injustices to continue to go throughout the land. They allowed military police to kill unarmed people without any form of punishment. And because of the disregard of the poor, the orphans and the widows, because of the injustices that were going on during that time, God had to shut Jerusalem and Judah down. And it was the wrath of God. It was the judgment of God. So God didn't give the victory to the enemy just to see his people suffer. But God gave the victory to the enemy as a response of their own disobedience, as a response of their own waywardness, as a response of not taking care of God's people. God had to show judgment to his own people. And let this be a warning to America. Let this be a lesson to America that, when, that if America continues to overlook the poor and disregard those who are in need, that if America continues to practice the injustices that we see, that God has a way of showing judgment. God has a way of showing wrath. God has a way of getting God's people straight, even in the midst of oppression. The Bible says that God gave the victory to the enemy. And I know we have to stretch our theology to understand that because we think that the devil is busy, that we think that the devil uh, brings the trouble and the drama in our lives, that we think that it's the devil that orchestrates our oppression, that produces our predicaments, that creates the chaos that we see. And you're right, the devil is busy, but every now and again, it's not the devil that causes the drama, but it's God that produces the predicament. It's God that designs the drama. It's 
God that creates the chaos and we can blame God. But reality is for many of us, the problem that we see, the bondage that we're up against, the issues that we face, it's because of our own disobedience. It's because of our own shortcomings. It's because of our own waywardness. And every now and again, God will give the victory to the enemy. And in Daniel chapter 1, notice how King Nebuchadnezzar uh, plays out this victory that God gave him. The Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar goes over to Jerusalem, goes over to Judah, and, and he he starts this war with, with God's people, and as a consequence, he sends his boy over, his chief of staff. He goes over to the land, and he kidnaps these young boys out of Jerusalem, out of Judah, and brings them over to Babylon in exile. He, he, he captures these young boys, and when you go back and read Daniel chapter 1, you'll discover that these young men just wasn't ordinary young men, but these young men were part of the royal family. The Bible says that these young men were handsome, they were talented, they were insightful, they were smart, they were intelligent, they were strong. These were the best of the best. These were the, the cream of the crop. These were the young men whose families lived out in the suburbs. They came out of a good home. They were involved in the faith community. They made good grades in school. They were the best of the best. And this is what the enemy began to go after them because every now and again, the enemy goes after our best. And I don't care how far you live from downtown Indianapolis. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care the grades that you made in school. I don't care the type of businesses you hold. When the enemy begins to see you operating your purpose, that's when the enemy begins to attack. And the Bible says that the enemy went after the best of the young men. And, and, and as a part of that group, we see Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And scholars say that during this time, they were about 15, 16 years old. And here they are as teenagers, now being disconnected from family, from friends, from their faith community. Here they are in a whole other land, in a foreign land, in a foreign environment, in a foreign culture. Here they are separated from everything that they know. Here they are separated from their normal lives and they found themselves in exile. They found themselves in oppression. They found themselves in the midst of an evil, demonic, social, political, religious system because God gave the victory to the enemy. But the good news about it is, as we'll discover, that, that God has a way of giving us what we need to create opportunities in the midst of oppression. And notice how these young men were able to create opportunities in oppression. They were able to make opportunities in oppression because they realized that their identity was tied to the divinity. One of the first things that the enemy did when these young boys were brought over to Babylon was that they begin to train them in the curriculum, in the Babylonian curriculum, that they begin to get the wisdom of the Babylonians and the literature of the Babylonians and the science and the mathematics of the Babylonians. The, they were a part of this three-year training that was trying to train them up so that they could accommodate and conform to the Babylonian culture. And a part of the training, the text lets us know that King Nebuchadnezzar changed their names. And this name change that they, this process that they went through 
uh, it wasn't just to have a new name, but this name change was an attempt to change their nature, to change their character. It was an attempt to change their values and their belief system. It was an attempt to change their worldview. The text says that the king changed their names. He gave them Babylonian names. And this was serious to the Hebrew people because whenever the Hebrew people named their children, the names of the children had meaning. The names of the children in most cases was tied into what they believed God to be, who they believed God was to their people. And so literally as these children were born, their family, their community, their village began to plant these spiritual seeds in their children to remind them, to remind their children of not just who God is, but who they are. So Daniel, Daniel's name means God is judge. Mishael, who is like God is. Hananiah, God is gracious. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. You see the names and the meanings and how they were tied in to who God was to them. So even when they were in a foreign land, even when they were in an evil system, even when they were in an oppressive situation, the fact of the matter is that even though the world called them outside their name, they still held on to their nature. And the Bible lets us know that they tried to change their name. And this name change, it took away what they learned in Judah, what they learned at home in Jerusalem, and they begin to give them names that reflected Babylonian gods. They begin to give them names that reflected a Babylonian way of life. They begin to give them names that reflected a Babylonian worldview. But I love Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Matter of fact, now I'm going to give the credit to their mama and them because their mama and them named them something in the home that they were able to live out even when the world called them outside their names. And that, that's an encouragement to us as parents to help us to understand that we got to continue to be mindful of who and what we call our children. Because what we call our children in the home, they will begin to express that outside of the home. That, that at some point our children will have to disconnect from our household, will have to disconnect from our home, and they will have to go out into this evil, crazy world. And if we're not careful what we call them in the home, they will be able to live that out outside of the home. What are you calling your children? What are you naming your children? How are you identifying your children? How are you labeling your children? Because what we call them in the home, they will, they will begin to demonstrate that outside of the home. But I love Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah because regardless of what the king called them, they understood who they were. They understood that their identity was connected to the divinity. And when you understand that your identity is tied into the, to the divinity, regardless of what the world calls you, you'll understand that you're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, this is important for us as black people in America because for 401 years, America has tried to identify us and define us by what they call us. So they took kings and queens. They took uh, teachers and griots. They took storytellers and, and, and tribe officials. They took mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and, and they stripped them from who they were and called them slaves. Then America called them colored. 
Then America called them the N-word. Then America called them Negro. Then America called them black. Then America called them African-American. Now America is calling us thugs and gangsters and thoughts and ratchet and, and savages and, and gangsters and ghetto and all of these different terms. And if we're not careful, we will allow the corruption that we are in to corrupt our character. We will allow the predicament that we are in to pollute our personality personality but I wonder if there are any people who are tuning in that understand that in order for us to create opportunity and oppression we have to understand that our identity is tied into the divinity that we don't get our understanding of who we are based off what the world calls us but we get our understanding of who we are based off how God created us to be just last night pastor P our youth pastor invited me to uh, zoom in with a few of our graduates as we are preparing for Saturday at 2 p.m. We are celebrating the graduates, those who graduated from high school, those who graduated from college and higher, uh, higher levels of learning. We are celebrating them this weekend, but just last night, I was, on a pan, I was on a Zoom call with uh, our, some of our high school graduates and uh, this, this, this language came up about going to school and, and finding themselves. Somebody mentioned that a part of going to college is, is, is finding themselves. And I wanted them to understand that it's impossible to find yourself disconnected from the one that created you. That in order for you to find yourself, that in order for you to understand who you are, you got to have a right relationship with God. Because in the midst of you going off to school, disconnected from your family, experiencing a new normal in a whole nother environment, you will experience racism. You will experience somebody calling you outside your name. You will have people mistreat you and misuse you. But when you understand who you are in God, you'll discover that despite of what's going on around me I serve a God that created me with some power that is within me that despite of what's going on in the reality my identity is tied in to the divinity uh, just a few years ago my family and I we were preparing to go out of town and we needed our passport uh, to go to our final destination and so a couple of days before we were uh, taken off to go I'm on the I'm on the phone with my father and this is when my brother Jalen my brother Jalen and I we, we, we were living together and so I'm going into the apartment on the phone with my father I walk in and I see that Jalen totally destroyed the place I mean it looked like he was looking for something and it looked like he couldn't find what he was looking for things were everywhere it was a complete mess and I said Jalen man what are you doing what are you looking for he says man I'm trying to find my passport I know we're going out of town in a couple of days and I know in order for us to get to where we're trying to go we need our identity we need a passport to get to where we're trying to go and I guess my father overheard me and Jalen talking because I'm trying to figure out where did this mess come from and he made a mess because he was looking for himself in all the wrong places and so my father had to let me know. He said, man, tell Jalen that I'm holding his passport right now. I got the passport in my hand. He's making a mess looking for himself in all the wrong places, not knowing that the father had his identity the whole time. And I wonder who I'm talking to out there who've made a mess of life. You've made a financial mess, a relational mess. Your career is a mess because you're looking for yourself in all the wrong places. But can, you, can, I, can I tell you, 
where your identity resides, your identity is in the hand of God. It was God that created you and not you yourself. Your identity is in the hand of God. You are made in the image of the ultimate creator. Your identity is in the hand of God. You are the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. And when you understand that your identity is connected to the divinity, then you can create op opportunity even in the midst of oppression. And so here's Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They've been kidnapped. They are a part of this evil social political system. King Nebuchadnezzar is on the throne. They're in a foreign land. Their name has been changed. But I love what verse 8 says. After all the name change, after the whole process, after they're going through this part of the training, verse 8 says, but Daniel, I love that right there, that here's the king calling them outside their name. But the text says, but Daniel, Daniel did not defile himself by participating in what the king had to offer. I love that because whenever you and I are trying to make opportunity, even in the midst of oppression, we have to understand the power of resisting and understand that we are not here to conform, but here to allow God to transform us. And that's what Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah did. They resisted the empire. They resisted what the empire had to offer because oppressed people can't consume everything that the empire is offering. The text lets us know that King Nebuchadnezzar had offered them food. They offered them king's meat. They offered them something from the king's table. And Daniel said that we can't defile ourselves. We're not going to eat what the king has to offer because what the king has to offer it goes against the will that God has for our life. And so the Bible says that Daniel wouldn't defile himself. He rejected the king's food. And this rejection of the king's food has nothing to do with dietary desires, but everything to do with a spiritual commitment to God. They understood that a part of their law that God gave them through the through Moses, the part of their law was that they could eat food that, that came from an unclean animal, that they couldn't eat food that may have been sacrificed to an idol god. And so here are Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the midst of an, in the midst of an oppressive system. They understood that I can't consume everything because if I consume everything, the consumption that I consume has a way of conforming. I conform to the oppressive system. I conform to what the empire is trying to make me out to be. I conform to the pattern of that world. And so Daniel says, as an oppressed, as a group that is oppressed, we can't conform everything. There are certain things that we must reject in order for God to transform us and use us to create opportunity in the midst of oppression because oppressed people, y'all, we can't consume everything that the empire throws at us. We can't consume everything that the empire offers us. That's why the Bible lets us know that we got to use our body as a way that brings honor and glory to God. I wonder what are you consuming that is getting in the way of your relationship with God? What food are you consuming that doesn't allow your body to be a living 
sacrifice? What are you consuming that won't allow your spirit to be open that God can use you? What are you consuming that will allow your mind to want to conform to the patterns of this world? And that's what that's the problem for many of us. Many of us truly believe that black folks are inferior to white folks, that whatever white folks do is better than what black folks is all about because we've consumed what the empire has offered us. And as a result of the consumption, we now find ourselves conforming to the patterns of this world. Y'all, that's why I got to turn off social media every now and again because I can't continue to consume black people getting killed by the police because all of this negative consumption will have a negative impact on my soul, on my mind, because we can't re we can't consume everything that the empire throws at us because here is what I discovered that as the culture is trying to get us to conform, God is trying to transform us. As the culture is trying to get us to accommodate, God is trying to get us to change our mind and to change our ways. And the only way you and I can become transformative power agents in God is when we allow God to transform us from the inside out. No longer will we conform to racism. No longer will we conform to white supremacy. No longer will we conform to the oppression that we're facing. But God has given us the power to transform us from the inside out. Uh, oh, oh, this, this, uh, this, uh, this artist on on Instagram. Her name is Magnify the Sun. Magnify the Sun. Yeah, she's an artist on Instagram. And I saw this on Instagram the other day. This artist, she takes these fallen pieces from trees, a magnifying glass, and aligns it with the sun to create some dope masterpieces. It's amazing. You should check it out. Magnify the Sun on Instagram. What she does is takes these fallen, broken pieces from the tree, uses a magnifying magnifying glass and the sun to transform what was once broken into something that is a masterpiece. And I couldn't help but think of our ultimate creator when I saw this. The Bible says that Jesus died on the tree and every now and again, if you and I are honest, we fall from the tree. We have been broken from the tree. But the good news is we have a heavenly creator who will take our broken fallen selves and align us with the son of God to create some dope masterpieces. Paul says that we are God's handiwork. Don't you know that there's a masterpiece in you? Don't you know that there's something new in you? Don't you know that there's something great in you? Stop using your fallen, broken past as an excuse on why God can't create something great out of you. I can't wait until we have enough faith to allow God to take our broken selves and our broken families, this broken nation, and put it in the hands of God and align it with the Son of God and watch God transform us into something new. And the Bible says that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah uh, rejected the king's food. They resisted the culture of the empire. And, 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 and after they did this in verse 8, um, verse 9 says that, that God gave favor to Daniel and the boys, God gave favor. Then in, in verse 17, the text says that God gave them knowledge and insight and gave 
Daniel the gift of interpreting dreams. Wait a minute. They're in the midst of oppression. They're in the midst of a social evil system. They're in the midst of this corrupt environment. But, but God gave favor. Then God gave gifts. God gave insight, which in turn gave them success in the midst of slavery, gave them promotion in the midst of this pandemic that they were in. It gave them elevation in exile. He gave them an opportunity in oppression because God gave them favor. God sustained them. God kept them even in the midst of what they were going through. And it dawned on me that I'm reading verse 9 and verse 17 that God gave them favor. God gave them insight and gifts. The same God that gave the victory to the enemy was the same God that kept his people in the midst of oppression. The same God that gave the victory to the enemy was the same God that gave them gifts and insights and blessings and skills so that they can be elevated even in the midst of exile. Isn't it good news to know that we serve a God that may send the storm but will cover us and protect us in the storm? Matter of fact, the very fact that Daniel and his boils and his boys defiled, uh, 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 rejected the food that would defile them, rejected and resisted the empire. Y'all, that was enough for them to be killed. That was enough for them to be destroyed. But God kept them in the midst of all of that. The very thing that should have took them out, God covered them and protected them and delivered them and sustained them. Isn't it good news to know that we serve a God that will keep us, that will sustain us, that will protect us, that will cover us, even in the midst of oppression, even in the midst of bondage, even in the midst of chaos, we serve a God that will keep us, that will sustain us. Let's keep it real. Black folks, we shouldn't have made it through the transatlantic slave system. We shouldn't have made it through slavery. We should have been killed by the lynchings. We should have been killed by the hangings. We should have been killed by mass incarceration. But glory be to God, we're still alive and strong as ever because we serve a God that will keep us, that will sustain us, that will protect us. Let's keep it real. You shouldn't have made it from that divorce. You shouldn't have bounced back from that job loss. You should have lost your mind in depression. But glory be to God that God kept you, that God sustained you, that God covered you. Because the same God that will lead you in the storm is the same God that will cover you while you're in the storm. Uh, oh, oh, just the other day. Um, I was at this, I was at this funeral. I had to help bury a 17 year old girl who died from cancer. And as we go out to the cemetery, uh, as we go out to the grave site, the, the clouds got dark. Uh, I could see that it began to sprinkle a little bit. We heard thunder. It didn't rain yet, but it was preparing to rain. And as we get out of our cars and walk out to the graveyard site, People were holding their umbrellas and grabbing their umbrellas and begin to uh, dispatch their umbrellas. And y'all, the umbrellas that they were carrying didn't stop the storm. But the umbrellas that they had 
kept them from getting wet like the rest of us who didn't have the covering. And every now and again, will you and I hold on to God in the midst of our storm? Holding on to God and walking with God doesn't stop the storm, but holding on to God will keep us covered while we're in the storm. Is there anybody out there tuning in that can give God a digital praise real quick that you shouldn't have made it? You shouldn't be here today. You shouldn't have got through, but God kept you and sustained you even in the midst of what you were going through. Y'all, I'm done with my little message. I'm done with my sermon. The real Jeffrey Johnson will be back next week to talk about the hand of God. But I wanted to remind you that even in the midst of oppression, God has given us what we need to create opportunity, even in the midst of oppression, that we can get promoted, even in the midst of a pandemic, that we can experience success, even in the midst of the stress that we are experiencing, that when we understand that our identity is connected to the divinity that when we understand that every now and again we got to resist the empire that when we understand that God has a way of covering us while we're in what we're going through that we can create opportunity even in the midst of oppression but I don't want to leave you there because I thought it was I thought it was good news and bad news it's good news that Daniel and his boys got elevated in exile but the bad news is they were still in exile until I read the last verse of that chapter verse 21 lets us know that Daniel remained in power until the reign of King Cyrus verse 21 it's the last verse of Daniel chapter 1 Daniel chapter 1 they're in oppression they're in exile they're in slavery they're in a bad predicament and then the last verse lets us know that that Daniel remained in this high position until the reign until the first year of King Cyrus and so I had to go and do my research to discover who King Cyrus was. It was a brief mention of his name in Daniel chapter in Daniel chapter 1 verse 21. King Cyrus, y'all, King Cyrus was the king of Persia. And when the king of Persia came through to conquer Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire one of the first moves one of the first political moves that King Cyrus did well he was he created his own version of the Emancipation Proclamation he made a declaration that all captives all exiles who are a part of this Babylonian land that are in the land you now have an opportunity to go back home and experience freedom King Cyrus comes in he gets power and the first political move that he made Makes is to set all the captives free and so the scholars are trying to figure out why in the world would King Cyrus do this some suggest that he was a religious man that he followed the beliefs of Zoroaster and because of his religious beliefs he let the people go other folks say that the reason why he let the people go was because he just had a good heart he was just a good man and he didn't want any captives in his land and so he let the people go but I love what I love what the preacher Ezra said that the reason why King Cyrus let the people go was because the Lord stirred up his spirit and because the Lord stirred up the spirit of King Cyrus King Cyrus let the people go and the captives were
were now set free. Wait a minute. It was God that started this whole thing. He gave the victory to the enemy. It was God that kept his people while they were in exile. And it was God at the end of it that set the people free. God is the main character of this story. And whenever you and I keep God as the main character of our story, regardless of what we go through, we can believe that God has a way of setting us free. I truly believe that the Lord is stirring up the spirit of some King Cyruses right here in 2020. I truly believe that God is raising up some leaders and some political officials, some pastors, some preachers, some teachers that will help set all people free because we serve a God with all power in his hand. I don't care what you're going up against. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. We serve a God that will create opportunity even in the midst of oppression. And that's why I thank God for my mountains and I thank him for my valleys and I thank him for all that he's brought me through. If I never had a problem, how wouldn't I know God could solve it? How wouldn't I know what faith in his word could do? But through it all, I learned how to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I learned how to trust in God. Through it all, I learned how to depend on his word and create opportunity even in the midst of oppression. Somebody ought to thank God that God will never leave us, never forsake us, and that God will keep us even in the midst of what we're going through. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that you provide some relevant principles even in these ancient texts. God, I pray that you will forgive us for those times where we allowed the corruption that we were going through to corrupt our character. Help us to understand that our identity is connected and tied in to the one who created us. God, forgive us when we just consumed everything that the world was throwing at us. And God, I pray that you will help us watch our diet, watch what we consume so that we won't conform, but we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God, I pray that you will continue to sustain us, keep us, cover us, even in the midst of what we're going through, so that we can experience evolution and promotion and success and opportunity, even in the midst of the oppression that we are experiencing. And God, I pray that even as we're going through it, we can continue to give your name all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen.